You're listening to the Audacious Church Podcast. This message was recorded live at our Chester campus. We know this is a great investment into your life. So tune in, listen up and stay focused. For any more information, visit us online, audaciouschurch.com. So you guys good? Can I, can I get a permission to do me? Because somebody once taught me a long time ago, the anointing flows in the authentic. So if you are you, um, when I first started ministry, I was everybody. At one week, I was T.D. Jakes. Next week, I was Stephen Furtick. And then a week, a week later, I was, um, uh, what's that guy from Lakewood? Joe Austin. I tried to preach. I copied their sermon. I discovered I'm everybody but me and God cannot use me. So that's when I learned this thing. So are you ready right now? They gave me 34 minutes to preach and less than counting, and I'm going to start right now. So nudge your neighbor and say, neighbor, get ready. Turn to your another neighbor and say, ready, neighbor, get ready a little bit more. Here you go. I'm going to tell you a story I read a couple of months ago, and it was like, out of this story came a sermon. It was a book, and I read the first chapter of the book, and I was so brilliant. I wanted to read it to you. I did not write this, the story, so if it sounds brilliant, it's somebody else. Okay, here it goes. It was the first century BC. The devastating drought threatened to destroy a generation. A generation before God, the last Jewish prophet, had died out nearly four centuries before. And miracles were just a distant memory. They seemed like false memory. God was nowhere to be heard. But there was one man, an eccentric sage, who lived outside the walls of Jerusalem, who dared to pray anyway. His name was Honi. And he he thought even though people could not hear God, God could still hear them. When rain was plentiful, it's an afterthought. But when there's a drought, it's the only thought. Honi was their only hope, famous for his ability to pray for rain. On that day, Honi began to fulfill his moniker. He took a six-foot staff in his hand and began to turn in a math compass, circulating a rhythmically, a methodically, a circle that started with one point and he moved to 90 degrees to 280 to 270, and all the way to 360. And as he drew the circle, he dropped down on his knees. What seemed like hours was just seconds. And he got down on his knees and began to raise his hands towards heaven and with the authority of the prophet Elijah, began to call down rain. And his prayer was like this. Lord of the universe, I swear before your great name that I will not move from this circle until you have shown mercy on your children. The words he spoke sent shudder down the spine of all those who were years shot away from him. It was not the volume of his voice. It was, not, it was the authority of the tone. There was no hint of doubt. His prayer did not originate from his vocal cords. Like water from an artisan's well, the words flowed out from his soul. His prayer was resolute yet humble, confident yet meek, expectant yet unassuming. Then it happened. As his prayer ascended to heaven, rain began to descend to the earth. There's an audible gasp that swept across the crowds of congregants that were encircled around Honi. Every head turned toward the heavens as the first drop of raindrops parachuted from the sky. Honi's head remained bowed. The people rejoiced at each drop, but Honi was not satisfied with the sprinkle. Still kneeling down within the circle, his head bowed down. He began to speak over the voice and the cheer and the sound of celebration. Not for such rain I have prayed, but for rain that will fill the cisterns, the pits, and the caverns. 
The sprinkle turned into torrential downfall. The eyewitness said this, there was no drop, there was no smaller than, there was no bigger, no smaller than the egg size of an egg. And it began to pour heavily. And people began to run back into the temple, run back to their homes, run back into the city because the, fl- the thing was flooding. And once more, he refined his bold request and he said this, not for such rain that I have prayed, but for the rain of thy favor, blessing, and graciousness. And all of a sudden, on that August morning, the rain stopped and the sun came up. And each drop was a tangible token of God's grace for His people. You know, when you hear stories like this, we start to think like, you know, can God do this? Can God do that? But you're going to understand, this was a man no greater than you and I, who a man who believed that if he's prayed, if he prayed, God will answer. While God may not answer everybody's prayer, he had enough faith to believe that if he prayed, God will answer his prayer. And I want to challenge you this morning, my friends, that each and every one of us, God is calling you and me to be circle makers, a generation that will dare to preach, a generation that's willing to call on the name of God. God is still looking for circle makers. He's saying, my eyes of the Lord is running to and fro the earth to looking for, looking for that one man, that one woman, that one boy, that one girl who is willing to stand in the gap, who's willing to draw a circle and says, God, I want to see a miracle. I want you to do something powerful. See, I want you to understand something. Bold prayers honor God. And God honors bold prayers. Bold prayers honor God. And God honors bold prayer. See, God is not offended by your big dreams. God is not offended by your big prayers. He's offended by anything less. I want you to write this now. If your prayers aren't impossible to you, they are insulting to God. Now, we never thought about it like that because we're just told to pray. Any prayer is good. Most of us have fellowship with God, but never call God into action for us. Think about it. We pray, we go through the routine. And why is God so insulted by our prayers? Because most of the time, our prayers doesn't need His intervention. Think about it. Moses at the Red Sea, he needed God. There was no time to build ships. When Joshua prayed for the sun to stand still, he needed God. When the five loaves and two fishes were needed to be multiplied, God needed to do something powerful. See, if we don't need God in our lives, our prayers are pretty insulting. Because we got three types of prayers. Let's be honest. The first one is we pray because it's the right thing to do, right? The spiritual thing, pray. I know I can do it. I don't need God. I just pray because I just want to the stamp of approval. You don't need God. The second kind of prayer is that you need God, but there's more you, right? Like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask for a promotion, but you know at the end of the day, the chances of you getting a promotion is much higher than anybody else in the office. But you still pray. Just want to seal it, right? The third one is God, complete God and zero you. Now, I tell you, most of us are smart spiritual Christians. Turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor, I think pastor is talking about you. We don't dare to pray the third prayer and we don't want to pray the first prayer. So most of us pray the second prayer. Because there's an element of faith, but not really faith. And we pray that kind of prayer all our lives. And I want to challenge you today is asking God to do something powerful. Because I tell you something about God. God loves nothing more to answer prayers. 
God loves nothing more to perform miracles. God loves nothing more to answer whatever you're asking for. Fulfill your dream because that's who He is. And that's what He does. Most of you know who God is, but you don't know what God can do. Until you draw in the circle and stand in the circle, you will never know the God who does miracles. A lot of people know about God, but they don't know who God is. When you draw the circle, and you stand in the circle, you drop down to your knees and pray. You're saying, God, I know who you are, and I need you to do what you, need, you can do. And the thing is this, the bigger the circle, the more the, the faith. The bigger the circle, the greater the prayer. The bigger the circle, more glory goes to God. And all of a sudden you realize, you know what, my faith in God is pretty small. My faith in God is pretty weak. You know why we never have miracles in our life? Because we always depend on ourselves. The greatest miracle, miraculous moments of your lives is when your um, uh, impotence meets God's omnipotence. When that connects, all of a sudden you realize you are a man or a woman of God. You believe God for the impossible. You believe God for things that cannot happen. You believe people say cannot happen, but you believe it says, God, you will make it come to pass. And the funny thing about God is this. God is not laughing at your big requests. God is not laughing at your big dreams. God is not laughing at you. He's sitting at the edge of his seat and he's saying, come on guys, just pray that prayer. Ask me for something. Ask me for something that's impossible, that's beyond you. I am ready to move. I'm ready to do something powerful. I want you to grasp and ask and ask because I'm ready to perform. But are you ready to pray? See, all of us in this room, the, the thing about miracles is this. You're always one prayer away from your miracle. You're always one prayer away from a miracle. And the thing is this. If you understand this truth, you're one prayer away from a miracle. If you understand this truth, that God is for you, your prayers changes. I mean, more, how many of you know God is for you? Yeah, we know. Theologically, we know. Because we come to church so often and the... The skinny guy at the front, the young guy who doesn't know anything much, he has said it a hundred times. God is for you. God is for you. He's not against you. We know it here, but we don't know it here. Because the moment you know it here, your prayer life changes. Because you don't pray limited small prayers. You begin to pray, you know what? I am audacious. I am audacious. I'm going to ask God for something that's beyond me. Don't put the picture out yet, so until I tell the story. 1993, I was a 23-year-old kid who went to the cemetery, I mean seminary, Bible school for the very first time. I didn't know what I was doing. I grew up in a very small family. I grew up in a very small church. Nobody told me a grandeur of dreaming. Nobody told me about visions and dreams. Nobody told me that I could have a big church. Nobody told me all these things. All my life, all I want to do is serve God. And God touched me, and all I wanted to serve God. I just wanted to be a youth pastor because youth pastors never age. <laughs> the congregation changes, but they're always young. I wanted to stay in the anointing. I wanted to be a worship pastor. I could sing. I still can. But the thing is this. I don't, I'm, not call, I'm not making an altar call for salvation because if I sing, you will accept Christ. <laughs> You tell me, shut up, man. Don't, don't, don't talk. Please stop. I believe. And I remember I was in, 
Bible school, it was one of the mornings and I was doing my quiet time. And my quiet time, God began to give me a vision of a church that's very big. A church that had lights and all those stuff and it had all the food and everything. My, my dream had McDonald's in it because that was the Jesus food of those times. And I was like, I was like, wow, this is what I want. But then I started to think, you know what? How can God use me? A little old me who has, guy who has never traveled the world, who has never seen anything. The largest crowd he ever preached to was 60 people. How can I fill a hall of thousands of people? How can I have all? I began to doubt. But I also decided, you know what? If this is from God, I just need to pray. It's not about me. It's about Him. 1993, first year of Bible school, I drew a circle. And I didn't know I was drawing a circle. I began to pray. 1993. And that period of time, I realized God was just enlarging the circle, building the faith. In 2020, right in the midst of the pandemic, God moved us into a brand new building. And that morning, on November 12, 2020, when I stood up on my stage to preach for the very first time. Can we have the pictures? Um, next one. The bigger one. Next, uh, yeah, that one's nice. So here's the thing. From 1993 to 2020, I've been circling that prayer. When I stood on the stage, I drew a new circle. Because the thing is this, you understand something about circle makers and visions and dreamers is this. In different seasons, we have different needs. In different seasons, we draw different circles. We never stay in the same circle because once the circle is done, the circle gets bigger. Chester, I want to tell you, your circle is about to get bigger. So draw that circle. It's about to change because I want to tell you, if you have the audacity to believe God has the ability. So you got to understand, either way, either way, your life is going to go on a different trajectory. Timid prayers is going to send you on a different trajectory. Bold faith prayers is going to send you on a different trajectory. I rather choose to be a circle maker and stand in the circle that's going to send me in the trajectory of God, that's going to have me encounter God and see God's miracles happen because your prayers are your prophecies. You're not praying. You're prophesying. Because when you, before you were formed in your mother's womb, God spoke over you. He said something about you. He envisioned you. He said things about you. You are not a failure. You are not a mistake. You are not nobody. You are a somebody. You are my child. I designed you with beauty. I designed you with grace. I designed you with something. And I'm speaking that over you. While the world is saying something over you, I'm saying this over you. Right now, at the right hand of the Father, Jesus is interceding over you. He's not saying you're a failure. He's not saying you're a mistake. He's not saying you're gone. He's saying you are success. You are life. You are victory. You are beautiful. You are a son. Somebody, you're going to change this world because he has drawn his circle in heaven and he's standing in and he's inviting you. Circle. Stand in it. Stand in it. Because your spiritual future is going to change because your transcripts of your prayers are going to be the scripts of your life. The transcript he wrote in eternity about your life is the script that you're living and he's saying to you, I want you to come into the circle with me. I want you to come into the circle. 
And I want you to be a circle maker. You may not be the next honey, but you're going to be the next you. I never created two honeys. I created one. But I want to create the next circle maker. So turn with me to Joshua. Wow. Now we start reading the Bible. That was a long introduction. That was a super long introduction. Here we go. Joshua chapter 6. He goes, Now the gates of Jericho were securely barred because of the Israelites, and no one went out and no one came in. The Lord said to Joshua, I see I have delivered Jericho into your hands, along with his king and his fighting men. Verse 3, March around the city once with all your armed men. Do this for six days. Have seven priests carry the trumpets of ram's horn in front of the ark. On the seventh day, march around the city seven times while the priests are blowing the trumpets. When you hear them, Sound the long blast of the trumpets. Have the whole army give out a loud shout. And the walls of the city will collapse and the army will go straight, everyone straight in. Jump to verse 12. It says, Joshua got up early the next morning and the priest took the ark of the Lord. The seven priests carrying the seven trumpets went forward, marching before the ark of the Lord, blowing the trumpet. And the armed man ahead kept ahead of them with the rear guard following the ark. Verse 15, it says, on the seventh day, he said this, they got up at daybreak and marched around the city seven times in the same manner, except on that day, they circled the city seven times. On the seventh time around the city, the priest sounded the, trumpet, sounded the trumpet blast, and Joshua commanded the army, shout, for the Lord has given you this city. Shout, for the Lord has given you this city. You got to understand something. The walls of Jericho is not like any other wall. The walls of Jericho have two layers. The first layer is six foot tall. It could easily be climbed by anybody. But the second layer, which is the thicker wall, is 50 feet high. So if you manage to scale the first wall and you jump down, there's another 50-foot wall and you're trapped between the 6-foot wall and the 50-foot wall. So you'll be killed very easily. And this wall protected this 12-acre of this ancient metropolis. And God gave them a plan. A plan that seemed impossible. But what's worse is it sounds nonsensical. It doesn't make sense. You don't go to war and take a tour around the wall. You go to war, you want to break down the wall. God is saying, you know what? March around the city. Six days, once. On the seventh day, take the same tour seven times. At the end of the seventh time, shout. I mean, if I'm a soldier, right, I'd be kind of upset with Joshua. You brought us out of Egypt. You made us cross the Red Sea. Now you cross us over the Jordan. Now we're standing in this front of the wall, and you are giving this... I mean, bring out the battering ram. Let's do fiery arrows. Let's cut up their food and water. Let's do something. Nope. Just do what God said. Six days, they marched around the city. I mean, if I'm a soldier, right, marching around the city for the first time, imagine the priest is in front with the arm, and we are about 600,000 men watching, walking around the city. It's kind of foolish, right? lack of a better word is stupid that's the thing about being a circle maker when you start to ask God for the impossible when you start to ask God for something that's beyond you only he can do when you ask God for a breakthrough or a miracle that only he can perform stepping into the circle for the very first time is foolish God, give me a church that sits thousands of people when I have all the screens and the lights and all the stuff. Oh God, I want to have these tears and everything. And then the whisper in your ears, nobody has done it before. 
It cannot be done. You nuts. Who are you? You're just a little Indian kid from a town called Penang. Nobody knows you. But here's the thing. The first time may be foolish. The second time is different. Because faith rises as you get into the circle. For every time they rush around the city, something begins to build inside of them. Every time you stand in the circle and you begin to demand of God, you begin to ask of God, you begin to pray, something changes inside of you. Because it sounds foolish when you step out the first time, but if you believe something about the circle maker is going to change my life, I'm stepping into it. Something shifts in us. Seven, seven days on the seventh day. Imagine this. First time around the city, they got up early, daybreak. We'd march three miles per hour. Okay, they would have done it by 9 o'clock. The 9 o'clock was their last prayer, last march. They marched around the city and they stood there and then the trumpet blasted, loud sound. And all of them shouted with one loud voice. And it was so loud, it registered on the wrist that was not created yet. And the walls came down. The walls came down and they marched in and took that city. It's kind of ridiculous. But I want to tell you, there's something that's going on inside of you when you stand in that circle. There's a holy roar that's going to come out. There's a faith that is about to explode. And you got to stand in there. Here's my question, church. What is your Jericho? What is your Jericho? Because you have a Jericho. I have a Jericho. The thing about COVID is this. It has taught us to live in fear. It has taught us to accept that these are the terms of life. But these are not the terms of God. The terms of life causes you to live outside of the circle, but the terms of God that is found in the Word of God causes you to live in the Word of God because there are more than 3,000 promises of God waiting for you to happen. And God's saying to you, I want you to stand in the circle and begin to pray that into being because the world has told you it's bad. Can you imagine in a season when the whole world is in pandemic, we moved into a 7.5 million ringgit building. Why? Because we chose to live in the circle. We chose to do something. See, most of us in our lives are drawing blanks, not circles. We're drawing blanks. If I would ask God, for God would stand before you, what do you want? What do you need in your life? I promise you, anything, God. God said, I want you to be specific. I want you to ask me for something specific. A thousand years later in the streets of Jericho, there were two blind men who saw Jesus and said, Lord, Jesus, have mercy on us and heal us. The disciples saw it as an interruption. God saw it as an intervention. Your crisis is God's intervention. You got to wait. You got to understand, COVID did not stop the world. COVID is an invitation for God to come through for us. You got to get up and face it. I'm not accepting it. The moment I came into the airport and I landed, I was forced to wear masks in the plane. My country may wear me the problem, but the moment I came out, there was a deliverance that took place. I cast out the demon in Jesus' name, and I breathed fresh air. <laughs> Here's the thing. Most of us don't get what we want because we don't know what we want. And Jesus looked at the two blind men and he asked, what seemed like the dumbest question at the point of, what do you want from me? Really, you need to ask that question? 
Because the problem is this. If you don't verbalize what you want, God can't do what he needs to do. See, most of us, we've got a lot of wants in our life. Our wants changes every few seconds. We see another, I just drove past, I saw a Porsche, and I want a Porsche. Next minute, I see that car, I want that car, I want, I want, I want. So God, what do you need? Because your wants will keep changing, but your needs are always there. I'm about to do something powerful, but it's something that you need. Because if you just stand in there one time, this is what you and I do, okay? God bless me. Oh, it's not God's will. In Jesus' name, amen. That's the problem with us. God is inviting you to be in the circle. A circle maker is somebody who just doesn't pray. He prays true. See, most of us pray. I, I know you're spiritual. You pray. Turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor. I think pastor is talking about somebody else. Because most of us pray, but we don't pray true. How many times have you prayed for that one specific thing for a season? How many? Because one week, max. Two weeks, you're anointed. Third week, you should be a pastor. Because most of us, like two prayers, three prayers, God, if you're like, okay, you remember, right, God, I don't want to pray this, I'm tired. Praying true is not about once. Praying true is about continuity and intensity. That's the difference. It's about continuity. It's coming back every single day and pray. Every single day. It's like the woman who knocked on the judge door and says, I'm not going to move until you give me what I want. I'm going to knock and knock and knock and knock and knock and knock. That's continuity. It's not stopping. And that's intensity. See, most of us don't have intensity for the things we need in life. When the blind man was sitting by the seats of Jericho and says, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. That was intensity. But how great the intensity was when people told him to shut up. He shouted louder. It got louder and louder and louder until he got God's attention. God is not that kind of God. That's, it's like, speak, Chris, scream loud. He's saying, get your intensity up. When there's intensity in prayer, there's a connection with God. The Bible says in Romans, when you're intensely praying, when you run out of words, the Spirit of God gives you groaning and words that are beyond understanding so that you connect in a way, such a way that you move God. And all of a sudden, you realize something about that prayer. You start to connect with the one who's sitting at the right hand of the Father who's praying the same thing over you. And that intensity creates miracles. That intensity creates power. That intensity shifts the moments of your life. And that's what I'm inviting you to. This season that you're in, I don't know why I'm preaching this. All I know is that last Sunday, God said, preach gyro in Manchester. And that was kind of a cool sermon. It's much easy. And this is like, this is hard work. Because <laughs> hard work, getting people to pray is hard work. Right? Getting people to come to prayer meeting is hard work. I don't want to ask whether you do your quiet time or not. It's hard work. But here's this. That intensity, that continuity, that praying through moves God. I'm going to end with one more story. Oh, my timing is so good. Seven minutes just now and seven minutes now. Oh, that is so good. I'm going to tell you a story. My wife, 
and I met in 1994 in seminary. And um, my wife's family is the she's the only Christian in the family. When she accepted Christ, her family objected, and uh, they objected to a lot of stuff, including me. <laughs> but prayer persevered, right? So, so the funny thing is that when, when she was 1993, she's been she's accepted Christ way before me, um, before we met, and she's been praying for the family's salvation. Then after we got married, and then we moved to Singapore eight years, nothing really happened. Then we came back to Penang. By that time, like, you're still praying and you're still believing, but nothing is happening. Well, I'll tell you, you're just one prayer away from God answering your prayer. And I remember in 2006, we just started our church about a year over, and her brother used to come to our church. He had a bad patch in his life. He was going through a difficult period. He lost his job, and he started coming to his church, and he started coming with his wife. His wife is a staunch Buddhist. I mean, she is. She's my sister-in-law. I can't say anything bad about her. She used to come to church, right? And she would sit the whole service like this. If you want to be a great preacher, get 10 of them in your service and see the power of focus in your life. You create the ability to see beyond people and see the presence of God far behind there. She would sit in service and he would be in service for a couple of months, like two, two months or so. I remember one of the services, I preached a sermon. It was a great sermon because I felt good about the sermon. I didn't care about what other people felt. At the end of the sermon, I gave an altar call. I came, one, two, three. If you want to believe in Jesus, raise your hands. One, two, three. His hand went up. I freaked out. Because I was not ready for him to accept Jesus. So I, I said, put down your hands. I, I tried to explain what's happening. I said, if you really, really believe Jesus, raise your hands. And his hands went up. And I was shocked. Because we've been standing in the circle for a very long time. We thought, like, it's going to have a whole family one shot, right? I'm going to preach a brilliant sermon like Billy Graham, and then everybody's going to come up. <laughs> Just one person. I was like, oh, God. And his wife the whole time was like that, and she did not smile. Half, most of the time, I wanted to cast the demon and her out of the building many times. But she's my sister-in-law. I have to love her. You got to understand, she's a staunch Buddhist, right? How staunch is she? Her house, we used to go for dinner at her house every Friday night because my in-law stayed with them. And um, every time you walk through the main door, there's an altar. The altar is taller than me. It's a big idol. And then there's chanting that happens 24-7. Most of you can't play a CD for one hour. Just manage. I mean, you walk into the room, you feel so uncomfortable. And I had, this has been going on for a year. We've been in Penang for a year, more than a year. And he accepted Christ, and he started coming to church. She started taking notes, and the whole time she's like that. I mean, at least give me something, like a smile. <laughs> Nothing the whole time. I remember just not two months or three months after he, not long after he accepted Christ, I was preaching a sermon. And the other sermon, I gave him all to call. I said, one, two, three. And her hand went up. I freaked out. I was lost. And it was the only hand that went up. So I didn't know what to do because I, I don't know why she's raising her hands. She like raising her hands, can you stop already? I'm tired. No, I don't know. And I said, quickly, put down your hand, put down your hand. I said, all those who raise your hands, put down your hand. But there's only one hand that went up. That's how much faith I have. And I began to explain Salvation. Salvation is you following Jesus Christ and He's your only Lord and Savior. And after you accept Jesus Christ, you cannot worship other idols. Specific. 
other gods. You have to renounce them all. And I, just, I made it very clear. This is the best salvation altar call that I could give. It was almost better than Billy Graham. <laughs> and then I count the three one more time. One, two, three. She raised her hands. The only hand. Here's the thing. My brother-in-law is now my adult pastor. He runs my Chinese ministry every week. He preaches every week. His wife is my small group leader. And then another brother-in-law accepted Christ. And then his wife, he met his wife in our church. And then my sister-in-law, my only sister-in-law, accepted Christ. Her husband, her two children, then my mother-in-law. And the hardest nut to crack was my father-in-law. And he accepted Christ. All because somebody decided to stand in the circle and pray. Praying true with continuity and intensity until he comes true. And the moment that happens, my friends, you become a circle maker. Circle maker is not just standing in the circle and praying. Circle maker is about encountering the God who makes things come to pass. And Chester, I want to invite you in this season to become circle makers. You know, in my church, what I did was, when I preached this series, this is the second time I'm preaching this, actually third, because I preached more, one service in the morning. I never preached this, like, it's not one of my game sermons that I preach all over the world. It just felt like this was it. Because it's an invitation for you in Chester. You're not a small part of England. You're the best part of England. So it's time to draw your circle. It's time to stand in your circle. It's time to ask God for something. Because you are in a house that God created for you. And he drew a circle around this house. Before you came to this church, there was a circle around audacious Chester. And before you know it, he was praying for you. And today he's inviting you, pray with me so that we can pray true so that I can come true in Chester. That's my word for you. Shift. Are you ready? Can we all stand up on our feet right now? Before I pass the time, I've got 19 seconds, 18, 17, 16. Quickly stand up. It's running out of time. 15, 14. I want you to raise your hands right now, wherever you are. Father, I pray for this church. Father, I pray that there be a shift, not only in the atmosphere, not only in their faith, a shift that takes them to another level of experiencing you. I speak over this church. I speak over this congregation. I speak over this place that from this day forward, may you experience the power and the presence of God, knowing He's a God that's going to come true, that every single person that you invite into church will experience His goodness, His grace, and His power. From this day forward, you will not live in lack. You will live in the abundance of God. You will not just live in the mercy, but in the grace and favor of God. And I invite you today to be part of something greater. Because God is inviting you, whoever you are. He's looking down from heaven right now. He's looking for that one man.
that one woman, that one boy, that one girl was saying to you, I want to be that circle maker. I'm tired of living the ordinary life. I'm tired of living through seasons of drought, seasons of failure, seasons of lack, seasons of not knowing what's going to happen. I want to live in a season where God is in control. I want to be a circle maker. I speak that over you right now. I speak that over you right now. And I bless you. And I ask this in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody say. Thank you for listening to this Audacious podcast. For any more information, visit us online, audaciouschurch.com. We'd love for you to join us at one of our campuses, Manchester, Chester, or online every Sunday, 10 a.m. and 12 p.m.